So what's in a name, huh? Um, yeah. It's, um, yeah, if you're a little bit like me when it comes to genealogies in the Bible or big lists of greetings like that um, epic one that we just had read, um, our eyes can kind of glaze over and like we're tempted to question um, Question, tempted to question Paul when he wrote things like, you know, all scripture is God-breathed and profitable. How, 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 do, we, how do we profit from, from this? But, um, but I, I really believe this is, um, there's some really good stuff in here for, for, for us today. So we're going to, um, we're going to, I think where this is going to be the last message in the book of Romans. So we've been like going through it for a long time now. And this is where we're ending. Uh, one more. All right. So we're going to do that. Well, we're coming into land. How's that? All right. So um, what do they say? Put your shades up. Yeah, yeah. Seatbelts on. Um, we're, we're just about to land this, land this letter. So um, it, it, it is an important text for, for us because with, within it, we, we really get a sense for um, of God's design for His His church, uh, what what does what does God want His church to look like? And and we also see that that the Christian faith it isn't meant to be one that's lived in isolation, but uh, a, a faith that's lived in the context of community. Even Paul, who wrote the um, the letter to the to the Romans by the Holy Spirit. We we look at him and think, oh wow, he's a superstar of the Bible, and he did this for the Lord and planted this church here and this one here. But and yet he wasn't a lone wolf, was he? Even in um, this passage here, we see he had fellow workers. He had people who supported him. He had people that he had with him along the way. His ministry was done in the context of community. And not only Paul, when we look to Jesus, if we think if anybody could accomplish um, something on his own, Jesus could, and yet he chose to live out his life and earthly ministry in the context of community, didn't he? With his disciples, with others around him, in love relationships. So I wonder what that means for for you and I here in 2018. How? 19. I did that yesterday when I was talking to someone. All right. 2019. Thank you for the correction. Um, so so let's, let's have a look. We'll just kind of walk through the text and, and see what, what Paul says to this um, church at Rome. So he starts off with a, a, a commendation. For, for Phoebe. Um, I don't know if you've written or given a, a verbal character reference for somebody before. I know I have for people who've applied for, for jobs or um, for teenagers who are going for leadership positions at schools or friends who are applying for rental properties. It's, it's actually a joy to be able to say to someone, I know this person and they are great. Like, I know them, and this is what they are like. And so that's what verses 1 and 2 are here. Um, Phoebe is carrying this letter, the 
to the Romans. She's delivering it to them and they don't know who she is. She's from the outskirts of Corinth and so here, instead of just having random Phoebe show up with a letter, Paul is saying, this is my sister Phoebe. She's a deacon of the church in Ken Cray. And I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help that she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. So there's the character reference right there. The, the, the Roman church isn't just to welcome Phoebe when she um, shows up, but they are to give her anything that she needs, any help that she asks. And we get a bit of a clue as to, as to why. It's, it seems that she is a, is a wealthy lady. She's been the benefactor of many people. And she's been generous in supporting Paul and the growth of the church. And because she has been assisting others, now's the time for the Roman church to assist Phoebe when she shows up. So now that that reference is is out of the way, that commendation, Paul now turns to a, a section that I'm calling, Say Hello to All of These People. Um, and that's verses 3 through to, through to 16. But do you, do you see the theme from last week um, carry on into this week? Last week, we, we got um, to get a glimpse of Paul's heart for the, for the church, for the Christians. And here we see even more of that, his, his love for the, his fellow neighbor, um, for his fellow Christians, even the ones that all the way off in Rome, the ones that he's writing to. He, um, it, it really strikes me um, how different Paul is to, to my makeup. Um, I am not somebody that is very good with writing or giving cards. That's birthdays, Christmas, greetings, thank yous, all of that. Um, I, I'm lazy and unthoughtful when it comes to that. I, I, I get the one that already has the pre-written message in it and write to so-and-so love Sheldon at the end and hope for the best that Hallmark have done their job. But Paul, it seems like Paul isn't like that. He, he, he could have, in sending this letter to the Romans, to say, and say hello to those who are in your ranks. Say hello to, to those in your church. And it's done. And yet he chooses to name 20-something people. And not only that, it's not just generic hellos, but in so many of these greetings, it's personalized. Like there's, there's actual love pouring out of this man to these Christians. Isn't that a, a, a picture of what Christian community should be like? One where we've got this overflow of, of love. So... And, and within all of these hellos, we see the, the real diversity of the early church. We see the diversity of the Christian church. That's diversity in, in gender. There's both male and female members of the church. Uh, out of the 20-something, I think it's nine, if I counted right, um, females are n- named or noted. And diversity in race as well. So as to be expected, the church in Rome has lots of Gentiles, but there are 
people that Paul calls his, his, his relatives, his kinsmen, his fellow Jews. And so it isn't um, just a homogenous, mono-ethnic church, or it isn't a, a community of believers that's just of, of men or just of women, but there's a diversity there, a beautiful diversity. And not only that, from, from the names that we've got here, um, we're able to get a sense of the variety in social standing of the people who made up this church. Um, today, if we've got somebody called, um, say, John, um, we, we don't know where he is on, on the social rank. We don't know how much money he earns um, in a given year just from his name. But in these days, we've got common names for common jobs um, or... Um, or roles that people had in society. So let's just look real quick at, um, at a couple of names. We're not going to go through all of them. Um, but there's Pr- um, Prisca or Priscilla and Aquila. They're a husband and wife team who make an appearance in Acts chapter 18, if you want to read that later on. Um, and they're tent makers by trade. And they've risked their neck for, for, for Paul. Um, so, so there's people with a trade. Um, the names Urbanus, Hermes, Julia, and Philolagus were common names for slaves. So these people were either slaves or former slaves who had been freed. So there's, a, there's another tier there. And then Aristobulus and Narcissus um, are thought to have wielded quite um, great political clout with um, Aristobulus being a, a grandson of Herod the Great and Narcissus um, having this political influence, ties to those in government in Rome. And so in the makeup of these churches, um, who don't meet in just one singular building, but in, in homes, there's different races, poor and rich, and male and female. And so we see this this beauty displayed so early on in the church, God's design being one of diversity. But not just diversity, but a community where love is displayed. If you just quickly, like, cast your eyes over that um, section there, the greeting section, verses 3 to 16, uh, you see Paul using, like, Um, language of love and language of family to describe um, the relationship um, in his feelings towards these believers. Like, she's my sister, my brother. Um, Rufus's mum has been like a mother to me. Um, One one word that we lose in the NIV is is Paul actually saying, "This, this person here is my beloved in the Lord. Like, love language. And it just pours out of him. That's, that's how he views the church. It's not just this um, club that people go or belong to or have a membership in, but there's actual relationship and affection for God's people. So now that we've looked at that part, I want to skip through um, to... The section um, verses 21 to 23 and instead of being um, a section entitled or say hello to all of these people this part is 
these people say hello to you. Verses 21 to 23. Uh, Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you, as does Lucius, Jason, and Sosipata, my fellow Jews. Um, I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Um, Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus send you their greetings. Um, so there are people with Paul, um, co-workers with him, sending their greetings to the Roman church. And once again, we see um, people who are employed in different jobs, whether it's the director of public works or the treasurer of Corinth, um, they're all the way through to somebody who's um, employed to write down Paul's words as he writes. Um, they make up this Christian community and pass on greetings. But in between those sections of all the good love stuff and thank yous and hellos, um, there's a part in the middle where there's a, there's a different tone. It's more, it's more somber. And Paul takes a break in um, verses 17 um, through to 20 um, to hit a somber note. And he says to the church there at Rome, be on your guard. So God's plan for the church is diversity, but not division. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause division and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learnt. Keep away from them. So the church there, they, in the middle of um, being heart people, they're not to forget their heads. And this is a call for the church at Rome to have an eye out, to be aware of those um, who would cause divisions or create obstacles by the use of false teaching. False teaching that could divide this beautiful community um, of, of, of love. Not only are they called to, to just watch out, but if they come across false teaching or division, they're called to avoid those people, like have nothing to do with those who are false teachers, who are causing division and creating obstacles. Uh, the description there of these false teachers... Um, uh, are people who aren't there to serve the Lord, but they're there to serve themselves. They're in it for themselves and they, they find their way in through um, flattery and through smooth talking that, that the naive just grab a hold of. It, I wonder how the Romans are meant to guard themselves against that. Well, I think there's a clue there for, for them and, and, and for us. Um, in verse 17, Paul writes that um, watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learnt. So the, the teaching that they have learnt, that's the teaching from the apostles, um, the good news of Jesus, God's word to them, that's to be the rule by which they, they measure what's true and what's false. And in a climate where 
Um, persecution was, was ramping up. That's why some of these people are in Rome now instead of other places like Ephesus. Um, that's that's got to be concerning and, and stressful. The threat of false teachers, the threat of division, um, the threat of persecution. And they could be forgiven for, for stressing out and thinking, like, what is the future for God's church? Like, is, is it all hopeless? And Paul gives this beautiful reminder and a, a prayer. He says... The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. doesn't sound too peaceful, but um, that's the way the ultimate peace comes about, through the defeat of sin and Satan and evil. Ultimately, God wins. Ultimately, Jesus triumphs achieves victory for his church, no matter what um, threats come against it. And his prayer is, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So that's us just zooming through the text, but I thought um, I thought we'd just highlight something that, that, that jumped out, and that's um, the, the role of, of women in the early church. Uh, because Paul is often mischaracterized as like just this evil hater of, of women. Um, but here we see like women with, who are honored greatly in a number of ways. So here's just, here's just a list for you. Um, Mary is noted as somebody who worked hard for the church. Unia has been to prison just like Paul. Tryphena and Tryphosa are called workers for the Lord. Persis, Paul calls his beloved and has worked hard for the Lord. Rufus's mum has been like a mother to Paul. Phoebe, who is noted there, is a deacon. She's called a sister, a, a benefactor, a patron. And Priscilla risked her neck for Paul. And that's a shame we don't get the, the details of what that looked like. Um, but this, this is a big deal. Her, her name comes before her husband there. And that's on purpose. I'm not sure why. Is she more spiritually mature? Is she of higher societal standing? We don't, we don't know, but she is given this place of honour. But one thing is clear, and that's from the very, very beginning of the church women have played an integral role in the life and ministry of the church, um, displaying courage and care and hard work, bravery and generosity for the sake of Jesus and the spread of the good news. And that's something to, to celebrate. Uh, but what about for, for us today? I see um, a couple of challenges for for us as, as we wrap up. Um, and that's for us to be like the Romans there, for us to be women and men who have both our hearts and our minds engaged when we come together. Uh, that we would have our hearts in, engaged, that we would love each other well, 
that we would greet one another, like we see 16 sentences or something starting with the word greet, but that we would greet each other, not just with, oh, hey, how's it going? Yeah, pretty good. Um, but, but with physical expression as well that accompanies it. Uh, we've, it. It says here to greet one another with a holy kiss. And I don't know how that plays out in 2019 um, here, but that's a physical expression that accompanies a greeting. Like, how are we to physically welcome one another? Uh, before the service, like, because I, I, know, I knew I was preaching, I had my eye out, for, for, and I saw, I saw hugs and handshakes. I saw prayer here. I would love for us to grow in the way that we physically express welcome, not just through words, but through action as well. And perhaps that means eating with someone. A challenge for us is to share life with one another by gathering in each other's homes. Again, this Roman church wasn't um, centralised in a building but met in people's homes. And it's good for us to worship corporately in a great big group. There's things that we can do together and work as a group of however many people are here. But in smaller groups... Uh, we can know and be known. That's, that's, that's where relationship is really, really formed. There's a call for us to gather, um, gather together that, that we would love each other well, that we would not only just share time together sitting next to someone in a pew, but we would be opening our lives to each other. We're to have our hearts engaged as well by displaying and celebrating the diversity that we are as God's people, by gathering together and not going lone wolf style. Um, Together, we more accurately represent um, the, the, the character, the heart of God better than what we would do on our own. Because I know that you over there are more patient than I am and you are more loving than me and maybe I'm more something than, than you. And so for us to be together, to represent Jesus in this world, we give a, a better, fuller picture to those who look upon us of what our Heavenly Father is like than, than what you or I could do alone. Like, could you really believe that we are a body and that we need each other because we really, we really, really do. So we're to have our, our, our hearts engaged and to love each other, um, but also our heads. Just like these, these Romans, we're to, we're to watch out for false teachers, and to use God's word, what God has said as the measure for what's true and what's false. Even if there's smooth talk, like a great preacher on a podcast or YouTube video or, or a great author, like let's, let's go back to this good news. Let's go back to the teaching that we've received and say, okay, like, is this true? Uh, one thing that I like, skipped over and forgot was um, like Paul says, I, I rejoice over your obedience, Romans. Like you're known for being an obedient people and so... I want to rejoice in that, but there's also a danger in that. 
um, there's a danger that you could just go and obey anyone. And so let's, let's measure by what God has said. And lastly, we're to remember that what, whatever threats come against Jesus' church, um, that no matter how dire things might look in a post-Christendom society, um, it's, not, it's not hopeless because we've got this assurance that Jesus wins, that the God of peace crushes Satan underfoot. And so that, that should fill us with joy and with hope. And, and that's how we persevere as, as the church. We look to our saviour Jesus knowing that the next thing in his calendar is, I'm coming back. Like that's, that's, that should fill us with great hope, knowing that what, no matter what difficulties face the church, even today, um, Jesus wins. Jesus wins. We're not going to perfectly love each other always 100% of the time. But the good news is, is that we've got a saviour who has made a people for himself, full of broken people like you and me, and he has loved us perfectly. He's the one who gave himself for us. He gave himself for the church, gave himself up by going to the cross. And so I really believe if we would have our, our hearts further melted by what Jesus has done, if we would believe more um, of the in, incredible rescue that he has achieved for us, in the way that he first came to us and welcomed us in to his family, we would love each other well. We would be those who encourage um, the souls of those around us. So let's, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you that, uh, that you have made a people for yourself. And thank you, Lord, that, you, um, that your design for your church isn't that we'd just be um, yeah, lone, lone wolves doing our own thing. Uh, but Lord, that you've given us each other um, for encouragement and correction and for growth um, and to better reflect who you are, Lord. And so we thank you for each other and we ask that would you, um, by your grace and by a work of your spirit, would you actually grow us in love for one another? That um, the way that we meet together, whether that's in big groups, small groups, down the street, one-on-one, whatever, um, that we would be a people who are overflowing with love for one another, um, that we would fulfill um, your words, Jesus, that the world will know that we are yours because of the love that we have for each other. So Lord, um, thank you for all that you are and all that you do. And we trust ourselves to you, knowing that you achieve victory over all things. No matter what comes against your church, Lord, um, you win. And for that, we're grateful. Amen.